Good morning, everyone. How are you doing? Everyone excited to be at church this morning? Yes! Now, you know it's about money, but you still came. That's unbelievable. Well, I just want to tell you a little bit about myself before we get into the message this morning um, and tell you why I'm so loud. Uh, my name is Joe Sangel, and I am the youngest of six boys. My parents had only boys. Uh, they had four boys, and six years later, tried one more time for that daughter they desperately wanted. And it was about an hour and a half before April Fool's Day. My mother went into labor. They're at the hospital, and the nurse was listening. And she got this quizzical look and left the room. And then she came back with the doctor. He listened to her womb, and he said, well, are you ready to have two babies? And my mother said, no, absolutely not. It's not April Fool's Day yet. That is not funny. It's going to be one, and it's going to be a girl. And about half an hour later, my identical twin brother showed up. And seven minutes later, I was born. And my mother says, we're not trying again. The Lord has spoken. If we try again, we'll have triplet boys. We're through with this thing. So that's why I'm so loud. Uh, I, I'm the youngest of six boys. It means I got beat up a lot. I'm sorry. But I'm also loud because I have been witness to a miracle in my life, financially. I don't know about you, but I was broke. Has anyone in here ever been broke before? I mean, I'm talking college broke. Like, I had an average bank balance of $4.13, and I celebrated because it was positive. Yes, we made it another month. Don't move. Have you ever been there? See, I, I went through all sorts of things with my life, and I'm going to tell you a little bit about my story, and we're going to break open a story that Jesus told in God's Word today in Matthew chapter 25, verses 14 through 30. And we're going to look at it through this lens of one month to live, and I want to talk about one month to live, leaving a legacy. What is the legacy you're going to leave? You see, if you knew you had one month left to live, you would take those final 30 or 31 days. I'd be rooting, if they said I had one month to live, I'd be rooting for the 31-day month, 31 month. And on those 31 days, I would be seeking to make sure I left a legacy for the generations to come. And what I know is, many times that takes resources. And so we're going to break into the story this morning. And the first point that I wanted to make to you, just to start out, is that God owns it all. If you're taking notes this morning, you can scribble that down. God owns it all. Do you believe it this morning? No, 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 no. Do you believe it for real? Like, what I know is this. I've never, and if you have, it's just weird. I've never seen a U-Haul following a hearse to the graveyard. Have you? Like, if you do, that is weird, and you should get it checked out, like, immediately. Like, you can't take your stuff with you. It all is going to be passed on to someone else. God owns it all. Psalm 24.1 speaks to it. It says that the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. That's Psalm 24.1. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. Does that pretty much sum it up that God owns it all? He owns it all. Now this is really good because I used to go through life acting like I was the owner. See, if you think of yourself as a small business, think of your life as a small business. What is the goal of any small business? To make money, is that right? If you don't make money, you'll be called what is unemployed, is that right? The goal of anyone in business is to make money. The good news is, that we are not the owners. We don't have to carry the stress of ownership. 
God's the owner. But we are the managers of the resources he's given us. And when I was broke, I was managing the money acting like I was the owner. In fact, I had to back off from my finances and say, if I'm a business that I called me incorporated, in fact, maybe you should look at your life this morning as a business called you incorporated. Have you ever looked at your life as a business? Think about it. Are you making profit with your resources God's given you? See, if you're the owner of you incorporated, should you fire you? I had to fire me. See, I had to recognize that I'm not the owner. I had to fire myself from the ownership position and move to the manager position. God owns it all. And in church, we like to talk a lot about the giving of the tithe. 10% off the top, off the increase. And we should do that. We are to bring the tithe to the storehouse. It says it clearly in Malachi that we are to bring the tithe to the storehouse. One-tenth of everything God blesses us with. But one thing that I did not recognize is that he still owned the other 90%. You see, I was giving the tithe, but I, I would take the rest and I would just spend it. And I had an unbelievable spiritual gift. In the first book of Hesitations, I saw an extra spiritual gift of making my money disappear. How about you? I could make it all just leave. And what I know is I had to fire myself from the ownership position, move to the manager position. And when I did, my life started to change. If you don't get anything else out of the message this morning, I hope you leave recognizing clearly God owns it all. He owns all of it. He owns the 10%. He owns the rest. And the second point this morning is that God has blessed us. Has God blessed you? Has anyone in the house been blessed recently? Has God blessed you? I mean, now some of you are saying not enough. I've said that before. But he's blessed us all with some. We're going to see through the scripture today how you can be blessed with more. But God has blessed all of us. In fact, I want to take you back to 2010. You know, it was a month and a half ago. You know that? Now, some of you are still trying to forget 2010 and what happened in that year. But I want to ask you, did, did he bless you with some in 2010? And what did you do with what he gave you? In fact, in 2011, in the ten and a half months you have remaining, do you want your answer to remain the same or do you want it to be different? See, when I was broke, there was a day where I said, I have to exit this year better. And I recognize God has blessed us. In fact, if, if we look at the scripture in chapter uh, Matthew 25, verses 14 through 30, it's a parable Jesus shared about money. And I'm going to sum it up real quick, and then we'll break it down piece by piece. But there was an owner who gave some servants, three different servants, three different amounts. One was given five talents of money, one was given two talents of money, and one was given one. And the guy with five and the guy with two, they went at once and doubled theirs, and that they, got, they got the thumbs up. The guy with one, he like buried his. And it didn't turn out well for him. And so I want to take us through this story this morning and recognize that God has blessed us. And what we can do with the resources he's given us so that we can honor the owner. The, so as we break it out here, God has blessed us, verses 14 through 15. I'll start reading. It says, again, it'll be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his property to them. To one he gave five talents of money, to another two talents, and to another one talent. Don't miss these next five words. Each according 
to his ability. Then he went on his journey. Don't miss that. If you want more to manage, manage what he's given you well. He'll give you more. You see, I get the unbelievable privilege to travel this nation and speak 120 to 140 times a year on the topic of biblical money management. And what I've seen proven over and over and over again is that those who manage their resources according to God's word, he blesses them with more to manage. If you're one of those who says, I would like to manage more, God, I challenge you, are you managing what he's given you to the absolute best of your ability in accordance with his word? They were given according to their ability. And then we look further in verse 16. It says, the man who'd received the five talents went at once. Does it say he went and slept in mom's basement? No, no, it doesn't. Nope. Because I see some people and they are praying for a financial miracle. They're praying for it. There's some here this morning, you're praying for a financial miracle. And I'm here to tell you, many of you who are praying for a financial miracle, here's the answer. It's the miracle of financial management according to God's word. Many people pray for a miracle, but they won't take a next step. God asks us to take a next step. So maybe the miracle for you is to take a next step. It says that he went at once, put his money to work, and gained five more. So also the one with two talents gained two more. But the man who'd received the one talent went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. What are you doing with what God's given you? You see, I used to be broke. I, I had every type of debt imaginable. I went, I went to this college named Purdue University. Does anyone love Jesus and love the Big Ten here this morning? Anyone? Anyone? Yes! The rest of you were praying for you. That's awesome. So I went to Purdue, first weekend there, and, and I didn't have any money. So, so and, and then I went, and I started dating this girl. And don't most all financial failures start by something like that? I went into this relationship. So I started dating this girl. It turns out it was a terrible relationship. T-R-B-L, terrible, terrible relationship. Turns out she was dating a lot of people. And all she wanted was money. Her name? Sally Mae. Does anybody know her? Sally Mae, did you date her too? You, yeah, oh yeah. She dates a lot of people. And I financed all my college. And then my first weekend there, they, they would give me this free stuff if I would just fill out a credit card application. So I, I had no money and no job. There's no way they would give me a credit card, right? Wrong. I filled out all of them. A week later, I got a credit card in the mail. A day later, I had a balance. And I began a three-time loser journey with credit cards. I, gra- I graduated from college with a four-year degree in four years. Some parents are saying that's a word from the Lord right there. Right? Not six years. I somehow got out in four years. It was a miracle of God. And I graduated and I bought what every new college graduate needs and deserves. What is that? A new car. Oh, yes. I went down and I financed a smoking hot Chevy Cavalier. Oh, yeah. Listen, the Bible says thou shalt not covet. So I'm styling and profiling this Chevy Cavalier. Oh, yeah, you want this? I even financed a sales tax, 105% financing for my smoking hot Chevy Cavalier. I dated this girl named Jen. Jennifer Lynn Nijakowski, a good Polish girl from south side of Chicago for four years, so I stepped up and asked her to marry me. She said, yes, thank you, Jesus. But I financed the engagement ring, the wedding ring, and the honeymoon. Then we took a job transfer to Pendleton, South Carolina, the huge megalopolis known as Pendleton, South Carolina. 
and, and we move there, and somewhere in the first book of Hesitations, chapter 3, verse 1 or 2, it says every guy in the South needs him a pick-em-up truck. Is that a word from the Lord? Oh, yeah. So I went and bought me one. 100% financing. No interest. Oh, yes. And then I bought another one. And then we, we weren't happy. We weren't living the American dream, so we bought a house. A debt of a whole nother magnitude. And then we needed furniture, so we financed it too. Has anyone ever been there? How stupid could I be? I mean, I had a PhD in DUMB. It was unbelievable. I financed away everything. Every time God blessed me with more, I would just run out and spend it. Every time he gave me more, I would run away and pledge it away to some lender. And I was wondering, I felt like the answer should be, God, bless me with more. God, would you please bless me with more? And he's looking at me like, Look at what you've done with what I've given you. Have you ever been there? He had blessed me with so much. But I managed to make it all disappear. He had blessed us. And we see that here in this story. In fact, I get to do one-on-one financial coaching of ton now. And one of, one of the people brought in a credit card application recently or a credit card form of their credit card statement. And I brought a picture. They said I could share this, so I brought a picture of it. This is a $6,030 debt. And, and it says, this is on every credit card statement. It says if they keep paying the payment they're making in just 51 years, they will have it paid off and they'll have paid $41,516. Is this good money management that honors the Lord or not? Yes or no? No. Okay, we got it. That's good. Let's go home. But, but I see this all the time through my office. This person, you know what? They just get so busy that they stop looking at the answers that God provides in his word. They forget that God's blessed them and that we are accountable for how we manage it. This credit card, this thing goes nuts. You see, I know that I started, I started getting sick of being broke. I got sick of pledging all my money away to a lender and writing checks to all these lenders. And one day I had what I call an I-H-H-E moment. Have you had one before? It's called an I have had enough moment. Have you had one? Maybe you had one with your, on the way to church this morning with your kids. It, oh, I'm preaching now. Right, right? You got up and the timer on the coffee maker didn't work. It didn't make the coffee. You have one nerve left and the kids are stomping all over it. And you're late for church. And you're like, come on down and we're ready to go, kids. We got to go to church. And finally, they get down to the front door. You're late and you're like, son, your shoes don't match. And daughter, what is that outfit? What it, you're, you're just going to wear it. Have you ever been there? And you just say, get in the car. And on the way to church, they're fighting. They're in the back seat talking about, he touched me and she's on my side. And you're like, I'm going to lay hands on you in the name of Jesus Straighten up. I know you've never done this. You know, you're Christ-like and everything. But straighten up. You get to church. You skin the spot. You're late. You drag on the front door and you say, smile. Jesus loves you. Go to your class. I've had enough. Have you been there? I've been there. And I've been there with my kids. Praise the Lord. God help us all who have kids. And I've been there with my finances. Maybe today is the day. You need to have the I have had enough moment with the way you've been managing finances. God's the owner, and maybe today's the day you fire yourself 
from you, Incorporated. You see, I did that, and it set me free. You see, in 14 months, my wife and I paid off all of our debt except for our house. Within the next year or so, God will, the creek don't rise, our house is going to be paid off. And we're going to be 37 years old and owe nothing to anyone while taking over a 50% pay cut to go to work for a church where the last I've checked, they don't give profitability raises. We're laying up our treasures in heaven. You can do it too. But you see, I I got so excited, I got debt free. And and there's a strange thing that happens when you get debt free. You get to keep the money that used to go to the bank. Seriously, you get to keep it. I didn't know this. It's unbelievable. It's like the biggest pay raise I ever got in my life, and I didn't even have to talk to the boss. And so this money's here, and I'm like, oh my goodness, this is so awesome. You can be debt free. I started telling everybody at work, everybody at church, I was just like foaming at the mouth about it. I was, you can be debt free. You can be debt free. Y'all can be debt free. It's unbelievable. And my church is like, what in the world do we do with Sangle? Like, like you're wondering right now. And so uh, a, a young couple had the misfortune to come to the church and ask for financial help. And they sent me to help them, those four people. I showed up to their house. I'm so fired up. I said, oh, yes, you can win. And I walked in the house. And have you ever walked in the house where you could feel the tension? Like, whoo, there was some tension up in here. And I'll go in there, and they have two teenage daughters. And I go in, and I'm like, oh, did you? passion makes you do things you're not normally willing to do did you know that listen this this just side note this is free god's calling some of you here he's called you to do something very specific and you keep fighting the call you're like i'm scared i don't want to i have to take a huge pay cut what my friends think but when god instills you with a call he gives you the passion to take the steps necessary They'll preach all day long and twice on Sunday. But anyhow, I walk in there, and I'm like, you can be free. And passion made me do it. And so I'm like, you can be free. Woo! And we sit down, and I'm like, you need, we need to have a plan. Proverbs 21.5 says, the plans of the diligent lead to profit, as surely as haste leads to poverty. Do you, do you have income? And they said, yes. I was like, that's awesome. It's a good place to start. You know, some income helps. And so we start spending the money. We're planning it before the month begins, and we, we get to the groceries. This is a family of four, two teenagers in the house. And I said, how much for groceries for the family for this whole month? And they said, $150. I went, no, 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 no. Not per person or per week. I mean, like, for the whole family of four for the month. And they said, $150. We're trying to cut that down. And I'm like, um... Uh, you're going to be skinny. And they were very skinny. I'm like, we're, I'm putting it in there, but we're coming back to this. And we go on down, and we got down to the goats. I'm like, excuse me? And they said, yeah, we have these goats. They're part of this organization known as 4-H. And they have two goats, and every day, twice a day, they drive 45 minutes each way to feed these goats high-octane alfalfa hay. I'm like, okay, um, yes, how much for the goats this month? And they said, $400. And I went, okay. We put it in there, and we go ahead through the rest of the budget. And so I get down, and, and I'm like, you can win with your money. And they're like, we can. I'm like, I know you can. And they're like, we can? I'm like, yes, you can win with your money. And they're like, well, well show us, Joe, tell us, and you can see hope. 
coming in. And I'm like, here's the deal. When are you going to feed the goats next? And they said, well, this afternoon. I said, that's awesome. Because here's what you're going to do. You're going to drive over there and you're going to kill those goats. And you're going to eat them. And it's going to solve your grocery problem and your goat outgo problem at the same time. They never invited me back. But let me tell you something. It would have worked. Oh, yes. Let me ask you a question. If you're struggling with your money, what goat do you need to go slaughter today? It might be a hobby, and I'm not against hobbies. I love them all. But if it's robbing you of biblical money management, if it's preventing you from returning the tithe to the storehouse, if it's keeping you from having things like calm and peace in your household, it isn't worth it. And I'm here to tell you, you can be free. Yeah, God has blessed us unbelievably. And the third point that I wanted to share this morning is we will be held accountable. We will all be held accountable. In Matthew 25, verse 19, it shows that we'll be held accountable. It says, after a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. There will be a day where every single one of us are asked, what did you do with my son Jesus? And what did you do with what I gave you? Accountability time will come sooner for others than, than the others. But at what we all know, all of us, will be held accountable for how we manage the resources he's given us. And I can tell you, there were days where I could not answer anywhere near acceptably. And by God's grace, my wife and I have been able to walk out of a mess and into financial freedom to where we can pursue God's call in our life. There is accountability. In fact, I would define financial freedom this way. Financial freedom is not a number. If you set a number, the number will never be enough. Some of you, your number for financial freedom is $100. When you get there, it won't be enough. Some of you, it's a million dollars. When you get there, it won't be enough. If you set a number, it'll never be enough. My definition of financial freedom that I've, I've discerned from God's word is this. It's the ability to say yes immediately. Whenever God calls you to do something, regardless of the cost, regardless of how much you're going to have to give up in income, regardless of whether or not you have to move, regardless of how much out of your comfort zone, you've got the confidence, the ability to just say yes. If it's God's will, it is his bill. You see, we're going to be held accountable. And there's three categories I saw in this story of people. Three categories of people. And I want you to look at your own life today. Don't answer out loud. And find out where you're at. The first category is those who've managed well. Those who manage well. In verses 19 through 23, it talks about it. It says, after a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who'd received the five talents brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five talents. See, I've gained five more. And his master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful of a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with the two talents also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two talents. See, I've gained two more. And his master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful of a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. They managed well. In fact, there's people here this morning, there's many of you. You have honored the Lord with the resources he's given you. 
praise God. In fact, I would challenge you, if that's you, if you've managed the resources he's given you according to his word, I challenge you to do three things. The first thing is to wake up every single day and give thanks and praise to Jesus for providing another time. You see, the most dangerous thing many of us can be given is stuff. We can start defining ourselves by our stuff. Is that right? You know, you can define yourself by your car or by your 401k. Like I've seen people literally define themselves by their 401k. And it's been fun over the last four years to say, okay, how's that work for you since your 401k turned into a 201k? And then into a box of special K. How's that working for you? The idol fell down. You see, you, many times you can start defining yourself and putting your trust and hope in those things. Like the house, which has now dropped in value by 30%, or it got repoed. Many people put their faith, hope, and trust and define themselves by their career. And they work for a company for 20 years, and they went in and the doors are locked. All that stuff will fall down. Give thanks and praise to Jesus for providing. The second thing is to guard yourself so that none of that stuff that he's blessed you with will turn your attention from him and give him trust and faith in the provider instead of the provision. He owns it all. It's all his. Let me ask you a question. If that's you, if you've managed your money God's way, and he's blessed you, and it's blown the lid off, you can't believe how much you're blessed. I challenge you to ask yourself this question. If he took it all from you today, if you went out in the parking lot and all four of your tires were flat and the transmission was laying on the ground, if the 401k turned into a box of special K, if your career were taken from you and you went home and your house was burned down, is Jesus still Lord of your life? And are you still okay with that? If not, you should have pause in your spirit to say, maybe I need to guard myself. Maybe I need to get rid of some of this stuff so that I can keep my focus on the provider of it. The third thing I would challenge you to do, you need to thank God every single day, guard yourself. But the third thing, I beg you to do this, go teach others. Did you have a class on this in school? Like, did they teach you how to win with your money in school? Like, I had one class on it called Home Economics. It's called, it should have been about the home economy. They taught me how to make no-bake cookies, which I didn't even put in the oven. Is the same for you? What I did know is the marketers taught me a lot. I learned some from my parents, but for the most part, when I entered the real world, I had no idea about how to manage my money according to God's word. And as a result, I pledged it all the way to a lender, and I had to come out of a pit to get free. If you've managed well... Give thanks to God, guard yourself, and I beg you go teach others. Do you have grandkids? Do you have children you could teach? Are there places you could volunteer in schools and go teach this stuff? Listen, the nation right now has $14.3 trillion in debt. That's, if you divide it amongst every man and woman and child in America, that's $46,142 per living American. That won't work. In a big sense, it won't work in an individual sense. And the way we change it is by living it out in our lives. Listen, I just happen to believe that people who have sold their lives out to Christ, that have had their lives radically transformed by him, ought to manage their money differently than those who don't know him. Amen? Is that truth? I'll say it again. I, I really believe this. If you have given your life to Christ, and he has changed your life, giving you that free gift of salvation. 
we ought to manage our money differently than those who don't know him. The second category I saw in the story is those who've managed poorly. In fact, if this was a movie, some bad music would start up and you would know it was bad. It, it says in verse 24 through 30, it says, Then the man who had received the one talent came. Master, he said, I knew that you were a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your talent in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. Did, did you notice he tried to put a spin on it? Like, like, that's how I am. You know, when I was managing my money poorly, I would try to put a spin on it. Well, God, I gave 10 bucks last month. And I would try to put a spin on it. And that's what this guy did. I knew you the hard man, blah, blah, blah. So I hid it in the ground. See, here's what belongs to you. Let's see how that works for him in verse 26. It says, his master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. Take the talent from him and give it to the one who has the ten talents. For everyone who has will be given more and he will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. How are you doing with what God's given you? You see, I was broke. In fact, I went around and told I'm so broke jokes. I'll try some on you. I'm so broke that I have to go to Kentucky Fried Chicken and lick other people's fingers. Oh, yeah. I, I'm so broke that I was kicking a can down the street and they said, Hey, uh, what are you doing? And I said, moving. And I was walking down the street with one shoe on and they said, Hey, you lost a shoe. And I said, Nope, I found one. Those are funny, right? Let me tell you something that I told that weren't so funny. I'm so broke that I took my tithe and instead I bought a truck with it and I send my tithe to the motor company every month now instead of to God. I should have a bumper sticker on my car saying, I'm driving my tithe. <laughs> and I laughed to keep from crying because I didn't do it just once. I did it twice. And I did not honor God with what he had given me. I told another one, I'm so broke that I spend more than I make every month. And I use my Visa card to catch the slack. You will not prosper if you don't return the tithes to the Lord. And if you don't manage the rest knowing he's the owner. God has blessed us. We will be held accountable. See, I, I started looking at this story. I saw the person who managed well, two of them. They doubled their money. I saw the one who managed poorly, the guy who kept what he was given. And I was prompted by God as I looked at this story, story to say, there's a third category of Americans that aren't even in this story. And as I was looking at it, I was like, what in the world? And I started pondering this, and I realized 70% of Americans don't even make it into the story. You see, 70% of Americans live paycheck to paycheck. They live week to week. In fact, in South Carolina, in this area, the average family makes 55000 a year. That's the average, the family, household. And over the last 10 years, that'd be kind of like a half million bucks. But statistics show that over 70% of those people exited that 10-year period having earned a half million dollars. They gave away less than 2% of it, and they only got less than $1,000 to their name. Does that honor God? Not a chance. In fact, as I looked at this story, 
I saw that those 70% aren't even represented in the story. You see, the guy who had the one, he kept what he was given. He just buried it. See, if we looked at it from, from the biblical story, we would say, this is how it would be written in there. Um, I know you gave me one. I spent it. Plus, I financed 30% more. Can I get a loan? If that's you this morning, I challenge you, in the name of Jesus, to honor the Lord with the first 10% starting today. And to manage the rest knowing he's the owner. And get into the story. And don't be the one who buries it and doesn't do anything with it. Go at once. As it said the one with five and two did. They went at once. And they doubled it. They added to their resources. You see, if you're broke, it's hard to help the poor. If you're broke, it's hard to be generous to others. If you're broke, it's hard to hear the call of God on your life. When you come into the church house and you hear the word being proclaimed, but you're trying to figure out how to make the house and car payment. And I command you in the name of Jesus, it doesn't have to be that way. Free yourself starting today. You can be free. In fact, that's my final point this morning. The fourth point is you can be free. We can be financially free. God has given us his word. You see, I was broke. I didn't know where to begin. It was like trying to answer this question. Are you ready? I need your help. If you're in a canoe with four flat tires, paddling down the middle of a cornfield, how many pancakes would it take to cover a doghouse? No answers. I'm going to ask it again. Somebody's got answered six. It's wrong. I'm going to give you an answer in a minute. But when I first started out trying to figure out how to stop being broke, it was literally like trying to answer that question. I didn't even know where to start. I just, like, if you're in a canoe, okay, I get that. With four flat tires piling down the middle of a cornfield, how many pancakes would it take to cover a doghouse? Well, it was the same as, how do I win with my money? I don't know where to begin. I don't know where to start. I'm completely clueless. I don't even know where to start. And then God directed me to the greatest money book ever written, His Word. In fact, I started reading Scripture. Let, let's, let, let me ask you a question. Do you know what God's Word says about money? Did you know that in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, one out of every six verses is about money or possessions? If you look at the parables Jesus told, one out of two was about money or possessions. If you look at the Bible as a whole, it talks more about money than it does love, hope, prayer combined. Why? Because Jesus knew it would be the number one competitor for our hearts. And so I started reading the word. And I said, Proverbs 22, 7 says, The rich rule over the poor, and the borrower is servant to the lender. And I read in Romans 13, 8, where it said, Let no debt remain outstanding except for the continuing debt to love one another. And then I read in, in Proverbs 13, 11, it says, Dishonest money dwindles away, but he who gathers money little by little makes it grow. And Proverbs 13, 22, that says, A good man leaves an inheritance for his children's children. If we have one month left to live, are we not wanting to be in a position to leave a legacy for our children's children? You see, my challenge is to you to live like you have 30 days left, 31 days left, and be able to get your finances in order so you can leave a generational legacy. You see, the reason I know about Jesus, the reason you've heard the story of Jesus, is because people for the last 2,000 years have invested in it. If you want your grandchildren to hear it, invest in it. I've seen no greater investment in my life than to do that. To learn God's word, 
to apply it to my life and get free. We can be financially free. My wife and I have been able to experience things we never even imagined. You see, many people live a brokenomics life. Not economic life. They live a brokenomics life. This is how most people live their life. They pay taxes first because the government takes it first. Automatically. Then they pay debt. Then they spend money. And if they have anything left, they save it. And maybe we'll give some. That's a fact. It's how most Americans live their life. In fact, in a study of evangelical Christians, they've discovered that less than 3% actually return the full 10% tithe to, the God, to God's work. I challenge you today to beat one of those 3%, to increase that. What I know is when I give first, You see, we need to turn brokenomics on its ear. And we need to start by saying we're going to give first. We're going to save second. We're going to pay taxes. Then we're going to pay debt and then spend money. I I know this. When I started living that way, where I gave first and saved second and spent the rest with a plan after that, it set me free. You see, my wife and I, we have been able to be free since February of 04. We've been able to pursue what God's called us to do. But I teach money God's way for a living. So guess where the enemy likes to attack me? In my money. So I want to tell you an update of what's happened to me and my wife in the last 25 months. Because I'm here to tell you, we've experienced a ton. You see, my wife and I, we, when she was 16, she had ovarian tumors. And praise God, they were benign. But they said, your chance of having a child is probably going to be really limited. Well, a couple years after we got married, we had a daughter. A miracle. And ten months later, the ovarian tumors were back. And they were this big. And my wife was laid flat on her back for six weeks. And it maxed out the deductible. We were able to pay for it with no debt. And they were benign, praise the Lord. Ten months later, they returned. And so we begged God for the last ten years. We would love to have another child. Now, in November of 09, she had, to, because of all the scar tissue, had to have a tube removed. Maxed out the deductible, we paid cash for it. And in January, the doctor said, there's a little chance that you're ever going to have another child. The only chance you have is to try this in vitro thing. And I said, okay, how much does that cost? 18500 bucks. So for four years, my wife and I saved for it. And we prayed about it. And in January, we made the try. And the answer was no. And it was hard. But I was so grateful that we were able to guard our hearts because everyone else in that office was financing theirs. And I was imagining what would have happened if we got the answer of no, but we had financed it and we got a bill every month reminding us the answer was no. Can you imagine? I was so grateful. And we were okay with that answer. But that same month, our heat pump died. Did you know they do that? My downstairs heat pump died, and after about $5,000, the equivalent of a beautiful Hawaiian vacation, I got to have heat and cool air again. Praise the Lord, we paid cash for it. Four months later, the upstairs unit got jealous, so that heat pump died too. Did you know this stuff happens? Oh yeah, we paid cash for it. And then, 
We, we decided, God had called us, man, we were able to teach 50,000 people in one year. God called us to step off full-time staff at our church and go do this full-time for a living. And I was like, okay, um, God, do you know we're like mostly helping broke people? And like, I would like to eat, that would be awesome, but we're helping broke people that don't have money. God said go, so we jumped off the cliff. Now, that was June 1st of, of, 10, of 2009. So my wife and I, we decided, hey, um, we need to go get insurance. Like, health insurance is expensive. It's more expensive to not have it. So we go get our own insurance, and they said, hey, do you want maternity insurance? I said, not a chance. There's no reason we need maternity insurance. It's expensive. We've tried for 10 years. We paid 18500 to have a baby. Did, did, did you know she's got a tube removed? There's no chance that's going to happen. No, we don't need maternity insurance. You already know the story, don't you? We were pregnant when we said it. 16 days later, we found out about it. And February, a year and one week ago, my wife gave birth to a perfect baby boy. To God be the glory. Is that awesome? Thank you, Jesus. But here's the deal. We did not have maternity insurance. So we got to pay $13,500 to bring him home without the shirt that said, the hospital owns me. If you're adding it up, it's $45,500 of expenses in 25 months with no debt. To God be the glory. Let me tell you something. That's while making half the income and then starting our own business and taking even more of a pay cut. God provided. And here's what I want to proclaim. And I committed to God that I would do it everywhere I go. If you're sitting there throwing a poor me and a pity me party, today is the day that party ends. Today is the day where you recognize that God owns it all. You start by returning the tithe to him. I'm a living witness to the power of God working on my behalf when I return the tithe to him. It's his anyway. And then I planned the other 90%, knowing he's the owner, and my job as a manager is to make a profit with those resources for the owner. And I'm telling you, it changed my life. You see, I believe God said, will you put your money where your mouth is? Those biggest, deepest dreams. I tried to pay money for a child, and it did not work. And I believe God said, okay, what are you going to do with that money? Are you going to go finish the kitchen and get the nice stainless steel appliances and the granite countertops, or are you going to put it where your mouth is, where you say you really want it? And then he saw how he reacted with the answer of no, and then he said, now I'm going to show you how big and powerful I am. There's a baby. What I tried to pay money for, God said, watch how big I am. There's many witnesses in the house this morning. You've had miracles happen on your behalf. And you know it's because you honored God with everything knowing he's the owner. My challenge to you today. We're taking in, in this one month to live every week issuing a 30-day challenge. I want to issue you two challenges. One, start by bringing the full tithe to the house. If you did not do that today, I challenge you to start today, not tomorrow, today. Because here's the deal. I know what has happened in my life when I've returned the tithe to him. 
And I know that God uses that to reach a community. The second one is this. To plan the rest with prayer. The other 90% to put together a plan, a budget. And put the money before God. Prayerfully consider where it goes and ask Him, where do you want this resource to go? Because after all, God, it's yours. This afternoon at 3 o'clock, I'm going to teach the financial learning experience. I'm going to teach the tools that I use, my wife used, to become financially free. Listen, there's no sales pitch. I'm not selling insurance. I'm not selling investments. I'm selling hope and the love of Jesus Christ. His book is true, and when we apply it, it sets us free. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much for this opportunity to speak at Freedom Fellowship. Thank you so much for this united group of believers who've committed their lives to honor you with everything. And God, I know that in a crowd this size that there's couples who've not been able to have a productive conversation about money in years. God, that this money thing is tearing them apart. It's causing division and disunity. We know that's what the enemy uses to cause divorce. And I pray today would be the first day in a long time that couples are able to point to you and to have a productive and powerful conversation recognizing that you own it all. God, for those here who are, are single, young people, that they would recognize the importance of getting their finances in order before they get married so that they can enter into that marriage bond, freeing themselves of the number one cause of disunity and divorce. And God, for each person here, I pray that you would reveal a next step. God, that you would give clarity to your will for each person's life and that you would enable them to steward and shepherd the resources you provided in a way that they can honor you most by returning the tithe and managing the rest in a way that honors you most. For each person taking the 30-day challenge, God, I pray that you would work miracles, that you would help them take those next steps. In your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, Joe. Give Joe a hand. Just a reminder, this afternoon at 3 o'clock right here, you want more of that, more in detail about how to do that, this is the place to be. I want to ask you to stand up. And before we sing, I want to, I want to quit make, get you to think about one more question. When, uh, when Joe was speaking, one of the things that he said was, which is true, is that we're going to have to answer two questions one day. One is, what did you do with Jesus? And then what did you do with the resources and the stuff that I blessed you with? And, uh, and, and he, he talked about, about how we're going to have to answer for that, for that second question. The, the first question, too, some of you need to answer that today. What are you going to do about Jesus Christ? And we've talked about this all month, and we're going to talk about it one more week next week. If you had one month to live, uh, I know that you would deal with eternity. Well, you need to deal with eternity today if you haven't yet. What are you going to do with Jesus Christ? The answer is either, yes, I accept what you did on the cross, I believe in that, and I give my life to that, or the second answer is, I don't want that. And there's no in-between. We can't say, well, I'm, you know... I. I, I like Jesus, but also like this or that or the other. It's, it's an either or. That's the way Jesus uh, laid it out for us. So I want you to bow your heads, and, uh, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just ask you this question, and, and then, uh, then we're going to sing an awesome song together to leave out of here. But if you were, or just would tell me, would be honest with me, and say, I don't know how to answer that question about what do you do with Jesus. Um, if you would just raise your hand up, and uh, we're just where I can see it, nobody else can see it, if you would say, I can't answer that. I haven't answered that. I don't know what the answer is. Just raise your hand up so I can pray for you if you would answer that question honestly today. Okay, let's pray together. 
and then we're going we're gonna to sing a closing song, so let's pray. Father God, I know that there are people here today dealing with eternity, and they're, they don't know what's going to happen when they leave this earth. Father, I pray that you would remind everybody here that they can have an assurance of, of what's going to happen, of where they're going to be based on who you are and what, you, what you've done for them. I pray that for everybody here that can hear my voice right now, that the truth of, the, of who you are, the fact that you came to earth, that you died on a cross, that you love us, and that you did that for us, and would have done that if we were the only ones, that that would be burned into their hearts, so that truth would be there, and that they would give their entire lives over to you and trust only you to save them from their sins. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.